Hello, and how you doing? Welcome to Just Saying Sports. I'm Jake Atnip, here with Sean Dwyer. Say hello, Sean. How's it going, guys? We got another episode of our podcast going for this week. Got a few cool topics. We're going to touch on, you know, what's about to happen this weekend with the Final Four. Talk a little bit about MLB opening day and do a little preseason awards ceremony. And then we're going to wrap it up with a couple of the offhand topics that we just want to make sure we touch on this week. So like I said, to get started off with, we're going to head on into the final four in San Antonio this weekend. Uh, we, we now all know the matchups. There's a couple uh, games. The Michigan's playing Loyola of Chicago at 6.09 on, well, tomorrow. And then Villanova and Kansas are facing off in the 8.45 game. And, you know, I think it's going to be a pretty good day of basketball. But, you know, which matchup do you think is, is best? Uh, to me, the best matchup is definitely the Villanova versus Kansas game. I think those two teams are both better than the other two teams, Loyola, Chicago, and U- University of Michigan. So I think the more intriguing game is the Villanova-Kansas. Well, I, I'll take it on the other side. We know that's going to be a good game. So, I mean, yeah, it's going to be intriguing. But, you know, it's Final Four. Everybody's going to be watching both games most likely, just have their TV rolling through the day. But that Cinderella story of Loyola-Chicago against, you know, the, the big bad boys in blue – uh, the University of Michigan, you know, I think that's a pretty intriguing matchup as well, and I think a lot of people will be tuning in just because that bandwagon factor, hopping on that Loyola train and seeing how far it can take them. Yeah, and I also definitely see Loyola Chicago being able to beat Michigan. I can see it, not a high percentage chance of happening, but I could see Loyola Chicago play in the national championship game. Well, you know, I will, you know, if, if we're making our picks here, I'll, I'll go ahead and say I think Michigan's going to win the game. It's going to come down to the defense that gets played. But, you know, the the Ramblers only won their first three games of the tournament by like four points combined. They just blew out, you know, and blew out them in the Elite Eight. And that was impressive, yes, but I do not see that happening, you know, against the University of Michigan. If U of M can get hot like they did against Texas A&M and shoot 60%, there's no way that Loyola will be able to keep up with that. But I don't think that's going to happen necessarily, but I do think that Michigan will come out on top. Now, on the other side, uh, what do you think? I think Villanova is going to beat Kansas. I think Villanova is the best team in the country. That's uh, best team left in the tournament and in the country. Um, they have the – they can play any way that their opponent wants to play them. They can play fast and shoot a lot of threes. They can play slow and put it out down on the block. They have big guys that can shoot threes, play down low. They have the whole team, and they got guys coming off the bench that only add to that. Well, yeah, I, I'll go with the same thing. I think Villanova's going to pull that off too. Uh, they've been the most solid team in the country most of the season, and especially out of these four teams that are left, you know, the body of work that I've seen out of Villanova definitely puts me puts them above and beyond Kansas. I know when we talked about the, the bracket at the beginning of March Madness, I said that Kansas was probably the weakest one seed, and look where we are now. So that was a bit of a wrong choice. Now, I don't want to remind everybody how bad uh, my bracket turned out to be, but uh, just how did we get here, Sean? How, how right were we? Well, we weren't. Yeah, we were wrong. <laughs> to, put, to put it simple, we were wrong. But, you know, this whole tournament has been – some people love the upsets and it's calling it one of the best tournaments ever. 
it's the year of the upset. And I think that we got to this point by there was no one team that was in this tournament that everyone looked at and went, those are our national champions. Exactly. That's the best, that's the best team outside of, you know, Virginia had the number one overall seed and people thought they were going to make a run. Well, no, yeah, nope. <laughs> Arizona was looked at as possibly being the dark horse in that division, well, that- how they were Dark horse. They weren't but, a dark horse. They were my national championship pick. They were, and I'm not, they not were, proud to say it, but they were a four seed. But people were looking at Arizona to come out of that region, and that did not happen. Xavier, I had doubts about Xavier all year. North Carolina was another team that people weren't really all in on. There was no one team everybody loved. And so I think that led to a lot of people being open to the idea of upsets this year, more so in the past. Yeah, but the actually upsets this year are they're amazing games to watch. Yeah, they were really, really, really good. And that's why I said, just this eleven seed, they won three games by four points. Like that's that's talking about a run right there. And I really do think it had a lot to do with the way the committee seeded these teams. We talked about it in our bracket show, and I still think you know they they really mixed it up a lot this year, and it really just kind of opened this whole tournament up because it became more interesting and you know all these games were decided by a few points michigan won on a last second shot loyola's won on a couple you know uh kansas had to eke it out in overtime against duke you know it's been a good tournament and that's one thing that i think we can be happy with now we're going to move on to our next topic on to the mlb All righty, welcome back. Now, we're getting into our little MLB Major League Season Preview. It's an exciting time of year. Uh, opening day was yesterday, and you know what that means, Sean. Summer's coming. We're going to get some time to go sit down in Comerica, have ourselves a beer. That, that's what I'm looking for. I love the sound of that. Yeah, that's the way, uh, that's the way to live your life. But, you know, we're looking forward to a nice long, healthy uh, Major League Baseball season. You know, I don't think that turned out very well for my fantasy team, Sean, you know, starting off healthy. (laughs) Uh, For those who don't know, I decided to draft Salvador Perez as my catcher. And lo and behold, before the season even starts, he tears his MCL doing nothing other than carrying luggage. And then you had Bumgarner last year, too, with the uh, motorcycle accident. Yeah, I think it's a streak of bad luck. So, major leaguers, if you want to stay healthy, you should probably stay off my fantasy baseball team. (laughs) Especially with weird non-baseball, non-contact injuries, such as carrying your luggage. Or riding a dirt bike. Yeah, right. Well, that's that's not a non-contact injury. That's 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 just pure, you know, bad luck, I guess. It should be a (laughs) non-contact activity. (laughs) I hope so. Now, we'll get away from my, you know, fantasy turmoils as the season starts, and we'll get into, you know, our little season preview here. You know, the major leagues are getting started up, and we're going to have Sean give us a little breakdown of each division and who he thinks is going to be the leaders or the top people in the division that this year. And we're going to go ahead and start off on the East Coast, but in the American League. So on that AL East, I think the Bronx is back, baby. Yeah, the uh... – Big bombers out there, the Yankees, they are definitely back. Uh, I think they take the division this year. Their lineup 
Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge combined, they might hit 100 home runs combined this year. I could see 120, um, man. That's a short porch. I know that sounds outrageous with two guys on the same team hitting 60 home runs, but they were both, what, Aaron Judge had 55, and Giancarlo yeah. Stanton had what last year? Uh, a lot. I think it was 40, 50. Uh, uh, 49, I think. Or no, Giancarlo had the, the home run king last year. He had more than Aaron Judge. Yeah. But either way, they're going to be ridiculous out there um, in New York. But I do think the Boston Red Sox could give them a run. What do you think, Sean? I think the Boston Red Sox could give them a run. I think that they are behind in an arms race right now with the Yankees. They have the pitching, though. That's the one thing that has Boston kind of optimistic in my mind. Between Chris Sale, David Price, Drew Pomerantz, and they still have Porcello, too. They, they have a good deep rotation. My worries with Boston lie with the infield and their batting order. You got Brock Holt. Brock Holt is a utility man playing second base right now until Pedroia comes back from injury. And then Mitch Moreland, I don't know how much he's got left, but the Yankees do project in my mind to beat the Red Sox in the division. Well, yeah, they have a, a pretty good starting lineup, and if you're talking about their batting order, that's just going to be scary to take a look at. True. Yeah, now we're going to go ahead and move on into the AL century where our beloved Tigers are probably just going to fall off and die. Yeah, uh, the AL Central I got working out where, you know, Cleveland's probably going to win the division. They have the best team in the division still, even with losing uh, Carlos Santana, Jay Bruce, and they lost two guys from their bullpen that had the lowest ERA in baseball last year. So their bullpen's probably not going to be as good. The lineup's going to be a little bit weaker but they're still leaps and bounds the best team in the American League Central because you have teams like Minnesota, who is just coming out of a rebuilding stage. They're still young and inexperienced. Then you've mixed that with the White Sox, Kansas City, and Detroit, all being at different stages of rebuilds. Since Cleveland should run away with this division by July. Yeah, I don't, you know, once the All Star break hits, you'll know. You know, the the Indians will probably have it. I definitely agree. You know, the Tigers had the worst record in baseball last year. Um, everybody in Kansas City, basically, you know, they started trading some people away, signed a couple long-term contracts, but they're, they're definitely going into a rebuild, it looks like, you know. And, you know, the White Sox are trying to get out of it, but it's not quite, you know, going to do it for me this year. I think the White Sox are one year away. Yeah, and exactly. Next year they'll have a very high chance of winning the division. All right, now we're going to finish out the American League here, push ourselves out west. I know there's some new faces, but I, I know that you have it slated pretty heavily towards one team, right? Yeah, the LA Angels went out and they got Otani, the Japanese guy from over there. He's now a starting pitcher, DH for them, however they want to work that out. But I still have it playing out as the Houston Astros division to lose. Uh, they didn't lose anything outside of – Fires their number five pitcher. They bring back a lot of their lineup, a lot of their almost all. In fact, they bring back all of it. They bring back everything they had to win a World Series. And I think that they just keep that ball rolling. Well, if you think about it, they get a whole year of Justin Verlander too, not just a playoff run. Exactly. So that way, that that can only add, you know, to your success, if you ask me. After us seeing him play for the Tigers over the last decade, I'll say that having him in your rotation does you a bit of work. Yeah. Now, he's definitely, he's an innings eater. 
Yeah, now we're going to go over to the National League, you know, where those pitchers step up to the plate and take a couple hacks at it. Uh, we're going to stay out moving from east to west, so start off with the National League East, Sean. National League East, I see playing out similarly to the American League Central, where Washington, maybe they're not the best team in the National League, but they are the best team in the National League East. Uh, Philadelphia, Atlanta, Miami, they're all rebuilding. The Mets have always had problems with injuries, and until they can prove to me they can go two months without having two of their starting pitchers on the disabled list. Yeah. I'm not trusting the Mets as far as I can see. But then you go, Washington's got – they got a great lineup. They just need to figure out the bullpen. I love Trey Turner. I love Bryce Harper. Daniel Murphy's had his swing goal in the past couple of years. Uh, Ryan Zimmerman had kind of a revival last year. But if Washington could figure out a bullpen, they'll be poised for a deep playoff run. Well, yeah, they have a great starting lineup with Max Scherzer and Strasburg still sitting there too. You know, two two guys who can make a difference in any game that they pitch, you know. Exactly. And like we said about Miami, uh, that's not going to give anybody any runs for their money. You even got the Marlins man trying to get out of there. Yeah, you got Derek Jeter, you know, obviously being part of a group that bought the team. And they've made – they've sold off four guys from their starting lineup from last year. You got Marcelo Zuna going to the Cardinals, Stanton to the Yankees. D. Gordon to the Mariners, and Christian Yelich going up to Milwaukee. I don't know if Derek Jeter just decided to come in and start axing people, but Miami is in the hole looking like they're in a long rebuild mode right now. Well, not even a long. It looks like they're trying to nosedive into it, uh, just turning it straight on full speed. You know, we were talking about, like, the AL Central, how, you know, the Kansas City's Royals were kind of easing into it. The Tigers are dead in the middle of it. The White Sox are coming out of it. I think the Marlins is – or somebody, I don't know if it was Derek Jeter, but somebody made the executive decision, let's just go and make yeah. this happen now. Exactly. They, they were tired of the direction they were going, so they might as well just tank. And that's, I think we're seeing the NBA tanking method applied to an MLB team right now. Well, we'll see how that works out. Uh, we'll move into the NL Central. I know this is probably going to be one of the tougher divisions in baseball, right? Yeah, I agree. The One of the tougher divisions in baseball. I have the Chicago Cubs eventually coming out of that division. I think that they have that young core lineup. They lost a starting pitching, but I think they can pull it all together. you got St. Louis, so it's going to be right on their heels. St. Louis, I think they haven't made the playoffs the past two years. I think this is the year they're trying to get back to being the St. Louis that's been dominant for the past two decades. Well, yeah, I know. The Cubs started their season off pretty well this year. Uh, yeah, they do. Just yesterday, first pitch of the major league season, if I'm correct, actually, um, went ahead and rocked it right out of the park. You know, home run on the first pitch. That's a good way to start the season, give you a little confidence boost. It's a little bit better than our Tigers, whose season was canceled the day that uh, <laughs> opening day started. They just had all the fans out in downtown and said, yeah, we're just going to cancel the season. We know it's not going to be the best oh. one, so – yeah, but, but in reality, they're actually playing today. They postponed it, um, the Tigers, that is, just to get rid of that inclement weather that was down in Detroit yesterday. Yeah, should be about an hour and a half from now. Yeah, of course. Now, uh, we're going to go ahead and move down into the NL West. National League West, you know, I think a lot of people are just automatically giving it to the Dodgers. And this year, I think, is the year for Colorado Rockies. Um, I love the Colorado Rockies lineup. They've got a lot of young pitching. I think they can put it all together this year. You know, Nolan Arenado 
is a guy who is an amazing player. They got my boy Charlie Blackman. Charlie Blackman, you know, DJ LeMahieu went to Brother Rice, you know, local boy from where we live. Oh, yeah. Um, I think they have a good team this year. I think this is the year for the Colorado Rockies. Well, I'll take that. This is a springboard up there, you know, at Coors, uh, Coors Field. That's going to be, uh, you know, hitter-friendly as it always is, but it'll be a lot of fun. Exactly. So we're going to go ahead, um, get out of our division talk, and go into our little preseason awards show. Uh, we're going to go ahead and pick our preseason MVPs for both leagues, the Cy Youngs, you know, Rookie of the Year, maybe touch on a few people who we think might have a breakout year. And, you know, give, we're going to end up giving you our World Series picks here towards the end. So, you know, Sean, what do you think um, is going to happen shaking out with the MVP race in the American League? Yeah, uh, American League MVP, you know, obviously you've got Mike Trout sitting there. You've got Aaron Judge, Giancarlo uh, Stanton, and Altuve won it last year. But this year I think it's going to go to Carlos Correa. I think he's primed this year for a huge season. I just like the way that his game plays with the Houston Astros. I think Carlos Correa is going to take the MVP. Well, yeah, that'll be back-to-back MVPs for that squad, and that'll be, that'll be nice. Uh, what about the NL? Nolan Arenado. It's about time the man won an MVP award. Give it to him already. I have a very interesting stat written down for him. He's one of the only players three years in a row. He's had at least 37 home runs, 97 RBI, 97 runs, and 130 RBIs. That is actually really, really, really good numbers. And the man hasn't won an MVP yet. Well, if it's going to be his year, let's, let's, see, it. let's see if it happens. Um, we're going to move into the Cy Young race, uh, slam over to the American League. What do you think, Sean? Another guy who hasn't won this award yet but deserves to is Chris Sale. Chris Sale doesn't have a Cy Young yet. I think he puts it all together this year and finally gets one. Yeah, being out in Boston seems to bode pretty well um, for guys who want Cy Youngs. Um, you know, Porcello's, like we said, Porcello's still in that lineup. You know, he's the most recent one on that list or on their actual – in their uh, starting rotation. And they still got, you know, David Price in there as well. And that's going to be interesting. If they can, you know, pull that off, that'll be just added another one to the list for the Boston Red Sox. Exactly. Now for the National League, what do you think? This one I kind of went back and forth with Noah Syndergaard and Max Scherzer, but I think Scherzer's going to pull out and win the Cy Young Award just based off stuff. I mean, the guy can be dominant for months on end. I think he's going to build up a good record and – Deserve to win the Cy Young. Well, he still is one of the nastiest pitchers in the game anytime he steps on the mound. And I mean nasty in how his pitches are. He's got three or four that he can strike you out with. Even just his demeanor on the mound, he's, he's ready to eat you alive. He's, he does not care who you are. He's coming for you. And I like that. And I think that's something, uh, something that will obviously play a role. You know, the Cy Young is... Always seems to be, you know, somebody who's a dark horse, too, every once in a while. I do like that about the major leagues is, you know, pitchers have good years. Pitchers have bad years. You think about, you know, Porcello won the Cy Young and then just went straight down into the dumps a year after, you know. But you just – it's it's always a toss-up for me. I'm not going to have a pick for you guys, but I think it'll be interesting to see what shakes out. Now, this is something that Sean can tell you more about is the, you know, rookie of the year. Uh I'm not too sure about many prospects, you know, uh, that are coming in. So who do you think is going to be rookie of the year for the American League? 
the American League is going to go to Otani, the guy that came to Japan, is playing for the Angels. I think he's got – he didn't have a great spring, but he's got too much talent that's been proven in another major league not to eventually play out in the major leagues in America. I think he'll take it just because I don't see any big immediate impact prospects in the American League this year. You know, they got Willie Calhoun for the Texans – or not Texans, the Rangers. He's going to play, but I don't think he's going to have as big of an impact – as that Otani will for the Angels. All right, and then who do you have out in the NL? In the National League, I think it's going to go to Nick Senzel, the third baseman prospect for the Reds. He's not up in the major leagues yet, but then again, Chris Bryant didn't start in the major leagues to start the year of the year. He won the rookie of the year. So Nick Senzel's going to come up. I think he's going to hit very well for the Reds, I think, and he'll play a role, a big role immediately when he comes up. Yeah, well, that'll be good to see. You know, there's always a little bit of time associated with actually getting into the lineup with your rookie year. You know, but I don't think there's many guys starting on, you know, opening day rosters that are rookies this year. So it's obviously going to take a little bit of work to get into that situation. Yeah. Now, uh, do you have anybody that you think might just have a little breakout year? You know, I had a guy, uh, I think he's in pretty recent memory for a lot of people right now, but Vladimir Guerrero Jr., He's in uh, double A or triple A for the Blue Jays right now, but just in the last game of spring training, I think most people saw he had that walk-off home run just to kind of put a cap on the spring season and lead everybody here into uh, the, the new year of baseball. And if he gets his shot, you know, if they, they move Donaldson, um, if, I think if he gets his shot up in the major leagues, which could happen, I think, sooner rather than later, uh, he'll do good. I saw him play when he was at the Lansing Lugnuts here. Uh, in Lansing, and I've seen him play many, many times. You know, I've filled in his box scores, and I know the guy can hit, and I know he has the skills on the field. It just depends on, you know, that name power to see if he can get into the MLB. Yeah, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., it's not an issue of if he'll hit in the major leagues. It's a matter of when. Um, he's kind of blocked at third base in the Toronto system by Josh Donaldson. Who knows what Toronto's going to do with Josh Donaldson? You know, there's rumors that he might be traded this year or he's entering free agency. They might not bring him back. And I think that bodes well for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in the next year. But I think if Josh Donaldson does get traded or he does get injured at some point this year, Guerrero will step into that third base role immediately. Yeah, that, that'll be, you know, talk for the future. Now, but, uh, for me... The American, in the American League, I got one guy who I think will have a breakout year. That's Jamer Candelario, third baseman for the Tigers. He only played 38 games between Chicago, the Cubs, and Detroit last year. I think with him having an everyday role with the Chicago Tigers, I think he'll have a big year for them. And then the National League, I think the guy that's going to have a breakout year is David Dahl. He's an outfielder for the Rockies. He played 63 games for them in 2016. He hit 315 and had a 360 on base percentage. He missed all of last year with an injury, only playing 19 games in the minors. Um, I think he he was a top prospect for Colorado at one point. I think he's going to have a huge year this year, being healthy and having the opportunity to play every day. Well, yeah, that obviously is going to make the difference. Is health health in the MLB, as we touched on with Salvador Perez, is pretty paramount. Yes. So. 
now where I want to see what you think, Sean. I know we're not going to know much, but it's always fun to make some World Series predictions, no matter how crazy they may sound, just so oh, yeah. we can look back here at the end of the season just to see how wrong we were, just like with the brackets. Exactly. So who do you have uh, winning the World Series? For the first time since late 90s, early 2000s, we're going to have a team repeat. I have the Houston Astros winning the World Series this year. Uh, see, I'll, I'll use the opposite side of that argument. You know who the last team was to repeat? It was the New York Yankees, and it was a three-peat. And it's been almost 20 years since that happened. I don't think, I don't think that's going to be a possibility. If you even just look how the Cardinals and the Giants went back and forth year after year, doing a repeat is, is not easy, especially in the majors. The postseason can get pretty long. You know, that's putting you all the way into 100 and, 180 games. So that going two years in a row, I don't see happening. Uh, you know, the popular pick is probably what I'm going to say is with the New York Yankees. I said the Bronx is back, baby. I, I having John Carlos Stanton and Aaron Judge in that lineup at Yankee Stadium is almost unfair. They have, you know, that starting rotation we talked about. They got Sonny Gray, um, uh, you know, Mashiro Tanaka, you know, CC, they're all just, they're solid. And they got that back end with Dylan Batansis, and that's their setup, man. They got a Raldis Chapman sitting at the end of your games with that 103-mile-an-hour fastball. So I think the Yankees have built up a pretty solid case that I'm going to pick them to be the World Series champion this year. And then on the other side of what I was saying, the Houston Astros, they bring back everything from a team that won the World Series last year. They also, like we said earlier, get Justin Verlander for a full season. You know, the starting rotation of Duke's going to go Verlander, Keuchel, McCullers, uh, Charlie Morton's in there right now, Colin McHugh. It's a very solid rotation that won a World Series last year. And then going into the bullpen, you got Ken Giles, who's an elite closer. Davinsky was an elite setup man. And you have a guy in Joe Musgrove and Brad Peacock, who all both started games last year for Houston and were dominant. And they might you know, step into the rotation again. And you have a lineup that brings back everybody, brings back the entire roster. I think that Houston's just going to be too much for the American League and the National League. Well, we'll have to see how wrong we are. Now, just one more question here about the major leagues before we scooch on to our next topics. You know, last year they broke the record for home runs in a season over the entire league. You think there's going to be more or less this year, Sean? Uh, I think there's going to be more, and there's a couple reasons. It, it's just a pattern. You know, there's ever since people started going to this uppercut swing, there's been more home runs. And so more and more prospects are doing that. And so it's just leading to more home runs at the same time. It's leading to more strikeouts. I think we'll see record highs in home runs and strikeouts this year. Well, yeah, that's what happens when you're swinging for the fences. You start to lose control. You're exactly. You, if you think about something, you think about like Chris Davis, you remember he's, he's always hitting 34, 35 home runs and more. But he also has one of the worst strikeout rates in the entire league. He's basically boom or bust. You know, exactly. if, you, if you, that's how the, the league is turning to. And I definitely think there's going to be more home runs. Like I said, first pitch of the year with the Chicago Cubs, boom. You know, that's batting 1,000 right there. So we're going to go ahead and move on into a couple little topics that we just want to touch on. So we'll see you back here in just a second. All righty, welcome back. We just got a couple little topics here to wrap up our show. 
we want to touch on just because it's a little bit of weird news that has came up here in the last day or two. Um, so supposedly the University of Alabama football program has been caught trying to negotiate a home and home series with a couple big name universities, which sounds, you know, very different from the norm. I know they have basically refused to play road games, you know, out of conference that are true road games at the very least. And I, I think they're doing it with Notre Dame and Texas, right? Yeah, Notre Dame and Texas, they're apparently scheduling a home and home. Um, who knows when that's going to be? It's probably going to be 2020 and onward. Not going to be within the next couple of years. But I think this is in direct response to their the criticisms I got last year for not playing a non-conference schedule. And even though they were a one-loss team and the number one team all year, they lost one game and they made the four seed as the yeah. college football playoff. They barely but squeezed in. I think this is in response to trying to get them a stronger strength of schedule and trying to, if they do drop a game, they still have that strength of schedule to fall back on. Yeah, I mean, they want it, They know they have that name recognition no matter what with the committees and all that stuff. It's Alabama football, but they, they've been criticized of this since the BCS. They haven't, they haven't had a true road game in years. They always do neutral sites. When they open the seasons, they go out, like you said, down in Dallas. or you know, it, it just, It's not even you know, the same type of games that most people are used to playing. Yeah, they haven't played a, a lot of true road non-conference games in Nick Saban's tenure at Alabama. And I think they're starting to realize the way this committee is looking at games and putting weight that's on them, you need to have those games. So I think this is what they're doing to take action on that. All right. Now, just one more topic before we close out our show today. And I want to bring up the run here into the NBA playoffs. I know we're not quite we're sure where everybody's going to be seated, exactly who's going to be in technically, but a uh, big thing for me is, you know, I want to talk about who we think is going to kind of make a run into the playoffs, maybe even make it to the finals. And I'll just start off by saying, you know, I think the Warriors are in trouble in the West. What do you think? I think the Warriors are in trouble in the West if they, their injuries continue into the playoffs. If they get Steph Curry back for the playoffs. Well, Steve, Kerr, older... Steve Kerr already said that he's not going to be around for the first round. And imagine yeah. this, but imagine this, you know, they're going to be, they're, they're, they're the two seed, you know, they lock, Houston locked up the one seed in the West. Uh, the Warriors are going to be the two seed and the bottom three through eight seeds in the West are separated by three or four games. And there's about that many games left. So imagine if the four seed drops down to the eight seed or if the three seed, I believe it's a thunder, you know, lose three games in a row and they drop down to that seven seed to play uh, Steph Curry list golden state. That could that could be a very interesting series to start off the you know the playoffs. Yeah, the Warriors. This isn't a normal run they've had the past two years. They're definitely more of a uphill battle for them than they've had the past couple of years. Yeah, and I mean, I think Houston's going to be the one to win the West, anyways. I know everybody thinks it's just going to be another Cavaliers Warriors final, but I'm frankly sick and tired of that. And I would love to see you know hopefully new veteran leadership and Chris Paul that can lead them to some playoff, you know, strokes some playoff victories that I think, you know, they've shown that they are the best team in the West this year when they are playing at their highest level. If they can avoid injuries and if they can figure out how to play in the playoffs, James Harden, I'm talking about. Yeah. If he can fully figure out how to play in the playoffs, Houston would was going to make the NBA finals. Yeah. And that's, that's what I think what makes this interesting is that it's not just going to be, an easy run for the Warriors on the West. Now, on the East, 
you could probably make the same argument. If LeBron's on the team, he's going to be in the in the finals, you know. But I don't really think it's that simple this year. He's been on one of the best tears of his career over the last couple of weeks. But there's too many teams over in the East right now that I think have a shot to, to beat him with Boston, Toronto, and even maybe Philadelphia. They're my dark horse. Yeah, Philadelphia, those three teams definitely have a shot to take out the Cavs this year. I think the East is a little bit stronger than it's been in the past couple of years. I think that's with the emergence of Philadelphia. You know, Toronto's supposedly and apparently taking another step forward. Uh, we'll see come playoff time if they play the Cavaliers. But I think Toronto can beat the Cavs. I think the finals could shape up being Houston versus Toronto. Well, that would be a change of pace for everybody who's an NBA fan. And I don't know if – I don't know if it'd be really weird not seeing LeBron in the finals, but I, you know, I'm not personally opposed. No, me neither. All right. So we're, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, I just want to take a moment to say thank you all for listening. If you do like our show, make sure you head on into Apple podcasts. Uh, look up just saying you'll be able to find us there in the first couple pages and make sure you hit that subscribe button. So you'll get notifications whenever we do post the show. Uh, you know, take a look around. If you guys have any content ideas, make sure you send us some recommendations. You know, we got a lot of shows coming up and are always open to see what you guys want to hear about. So once again, thank you for listening. I'm Jake Adnip. I'm Sean Dwyer. And have a good day. podcast you just heard was recorded with anchor if you want to make your own download the android or ios app completely free from anchor.fm slash podcast that's anchor.fm slash podcast